When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. He literally just ran over from Global Television. That's what in good shape Kevin Carrius is. He's off the air at 6.57. Takes him eight minutes to run the uh, 30 or so blocks. Well, about 22 blocks. Although I was listening to Randy Kilburn. Good guy. And he said he was having trouble leaving here. Yeah. And it's true. You can't get anywhere from here but coming Eastbound on 51st, you're fine. So what's uh, what's uh, there's lights out. So it's oh, basically basically yeah. what it is is a bunch of red lights. So it's basically a four-way stop. Yeah. So think about how that can really put a little hindrance on the traffic. Yeah. And there's always the one guy who thinks it's his turn who can't <laughs> follow. They went. They went. They went. Oh, now I. But go. and that's at at Calgary Trail. So yeah, that's you bad. think about how tough that's going to be for people. Yeah, luckily I don't take that way. Uh, take that. I'm going up 99th. When I came down 99th, it was uh, I think it was fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I hit a uh, I hit a uh, uh, in my neighbor. I live near Commonwealth. I live in Macaulay. I hit I hit a, a intersection because I w- I wound up coming into work later than usual today because yeah. I went to the McClellan availability. So yeah, p- keep it safe out there. If you're not sure. Go really slow. Mm-hmm. That'd be my advice to people. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, yeah, the storm. The storm blew through, and uh, obviously there was uh, flooding and the white mud and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, take it easy out there for sure. Kevin Carrius from Global Television in studio as he will be every Wednesday for the foreseeable future till they till they put us out to pasture. Kevin, mm-hmm. it's seven oh seven inside sports on six three chat. I'm Reed Wilkins. Hey, on Friday. You and I uh, golfed in the same foursome. Yes. Grant Fewer was there uh, as well. He's an incredible golfer. Uh, Playing the Glendale. I had never played it before. Man, I'm, I'm curious to see what real golfers will shoot on that because, as you noticed, I could not negotiate those well, greens. Neither, uh, neither of us could. But, you know, and you could see Grant. Uh, I mean, yes, he's a great golfer. That's playing 7,400 yards, and that's uh, that's maxed out for, for a lot of guys, uh, you know. But there are some guys that are going to eat, eat through it because mm-hmm. it's just the way they are, and it's how good these golfers are. People don't realize how good they are. I mean, uh, I got to play in the Pro-Am on Monday, uh, and, you know, the scores are they're very good. They're very low, and, I mean... We'll see what happens with the green speeding up a little bit. I'm sure they'll roll them a lot more. The rough will be a little bit thicker. You know how thick it was, oh. and that's last Friday. So yeah. I, I assume they wouldn't do much to it until it, yeah. until uh, you know starting tomorrow. But boy, uh, it's a great course. It's a championship course. It's re- it's really a truly championship course in Edmonton when you think about it. It's it's made for tournaments like this. 
And and you're right. And I know. I mean, we talked about the greens, and, and I know you guys were bugging me at the end of the round because <laughs> I, for some reason, I insisted to never have a putt less than 50 feet as my first putt. Yeah, there was. was a... There were times that you guys couldn't hear me see, talking well, or remember, see me. Well, I don't know. Apparently you couldn't hear us because we were banging our putters against the pin saying we're over here and you couldn't hear us. No, so. I didn't know what was happening. Oh, okay. well, I think that was that when I got lost in that bunker on 18. <laughs> it took me three to get out and it was sunken. And you guys were all done. I hit out of the bunker and you guys are all shaky hands. And I was like, I still have a 40-foot putt for seven. You know, and the other thing too, Reed, is on, on Monday in the Pro-Am, the Celebrity Pro-Am that again I was lucky enough to play in, uh, we walked the course. Oh, nice. So, I mean, it was hot that day, and, I mean, I was bagged. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a, it's a tougher walk than you think, uh, especially when you don't, if you're not used to it, like a guy like myself. Well, that's another uh, subtle thing, and you mentioned about a course being a championship course. We talked about the greens. We talked about the rough, which wasn't high, but it was lush. Like, I felt my club get mm-hmm. tangled a couple times, and for guys like you and me with... Uh, uh, we're with beginner with, with beginner swings, yeah. even though we're <laughs> we've been Very playing a while. Very limited skill. But uh, but the, you're right. The, there was never really a totally flat lie, right? There's a lot of hills and elevation changes, and then that also affects. Okay, sure. For these guys, they might be 180. What's the wind? What's the elevation? That could be a two club difference for some. But of these they're guys. good enough that well, they can. Well, you're right. Yeah. But but that's another. For thing us, they it's just think another about. another hindrance for us. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> you know, more problems to add to whatever it is already that we have. Now, were the greens faster over the weekend? Did On Monday, they were a little bit faster. They were. Eh? They were a little bit faster. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, because that's well, it's three four days, right? Yeah. And um, they were quicker, and I mean that's how they want to. They would have had another program. Uh, on yesterday, yes, and then uh, you know whatever they do to the course today, uh, and I don't like the word junk it up or trick it up, but they just make it harder. That's all it is. So, well, because these guys, are, like you said, are so are so accurate, mm-hmm. and even you could even see it with Grant. I mean, you and I, if we're on a green in regulation, or even if we have a par putt, we're dancing. We're yeah. like, this is great. But these guys, they're not. They, just aiming for the green. They're aiming for a particular part of the green. They have to be below the hole, or else right. they're not going to be making that putt. Or it won't be, uh, the chances of them making it won't be that great. Uh, especially on a lot of these big breakers, there's some tough ones there. I mean, you saw it on uh, on 18. There's uh, that's some good movement on, on wherever you're going to be, if, unless you're below the hole. Mm-hmm. And that's what these guys do. They, they try to aim to that spot, and... More often than not, they hit it. And I hope a lot of people go out and watch in the next four days because, yeah. boy, you, you, you'll be so shocked to see how good these guys are and how close they are from, well, the web.com tour and then from there, the PGA tour. Well, you're, you're right about the, the small separation at the highest level. And, I mean, even think when you watch a PGA tour event, most of them are decided by a stroke or two. Now, Stenson and Mickelson ran away with the the British Open, mm-hmm. so that's not a... But usually if a guy wins a tournament by four strokes, you say he blew away the field. Well, that's over 72 holes in four rounds. So a stroke a stroke around, he beat a guy. But you say, but but you say, well, that's actually a wide margin if a guy can consistently do that. So yeah, the set, the 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 amount that these guys are away from the PGA Tour is it's it's con- probably probably for a lot of these guys it's consistency and putting and and, and it's mental. putting mostly. Yeah. Uh, to be honest with you, I mean because nowadays all the guys for the most part hit it quite far. 
and they're all very good, accurate mm-hmm. iron players. So there aren't too many guys that are coming up that are very short ball hitters. It's just the way the game has you know gone. These players right now that are you know that are say twenty years old. For the most part, they've had technology on their side basically since they stepped up to a ball. Whereas, you know, guys that are, say, 45 years old, say a guy like Jim Furyk, well, he's not a long ball hitter. But, you know, his accuracy is dead straight all the time. He plays that same shot all the time. So it's different now, I think, with the golfers nowadays as, a pair, as opposed to back then because these guys have had the technology all the, all the time. So Yeah, and they learned how to hit it straight when they were 8 years old, yeah, something no, you and I are still no. trying <laughs> Still try to learn. <laughs> Kevin Curious uh, in studio. I'm all, I also uh, I, I also enjoy the uh, the the caddy golfer relationship. Uh, I mean, I read Steve Williams' book. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't. I already forgot what he called it, but he wrote about there's a lot about Tiger Woods in there. And so early in the week, the caddies go out and walk the course and be like, okay, it's from the edge of this bunker, it's 168. And Williams, because Tiger, especially when he was younger could spray it so much, he would measure from the adjacent fairway. He was like, okay, I know Tiger's been slicing it lately, so I'm going to go to the fairway on the right over the trees because he might hit it that far and get him yardage. (laughs) It's fascinating. Well, even when we were playing with Grant last Friday, Grant Fuhr, um, you know, he had his book out quite regularly, if you saw, and he was, you know, and that's from the tips, and he was going, well, I can be here, I can be there, and, you know, I don't want to be here with my yardage, like with Grant's in his voice, in his yardage, well, I can't get to where I want to be here like I used to like 15 years ago, so I'm going to have to play this differently. So, yeah, they're constantly marking things out. Yeah, so it's the Oil Country Championship. It, it is at the Glendale starting tomorrow. I know we gave out some day passes uh, here on 630. It's only 20 bucks to go, by the way, for mm-hmm. an adult. And, uh, 75 for the whole shot. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and then you pretty much... I mean, it, I was going to say you have the run of the course. You can't like stand next to a guy while he's hitting. But, but I mean, it's you, all roped off. It's they all have roped off, roped and there's some and grandstands, and it's yeah. it's pretty it's pretty easy to follow. It, it it it's fun to watch. So that gets going tomorrow. A uh, couple names that I'll I'll be checking. I mean, there's lots of Canadians, obviously, but uh, Adam Bruce mm-hmm. is uh, an assistant pro at the Glendale, so he's going to get to play. So uh, good for him. Hopefully, some local local knowledge helps. And uh, I, I know uh, you've talked to this guy more than I have. Uh, Will, Will Bateman. Bateman. Yeah, a great young golfer, and he's only you know he's only 22 years old. Um, maybe just turned 23. I'm not 100 percent sure on that. Uh, did a story on Will. He was a Global Athlete of the Week. So when he was probably 10 or 11 years old. So uh, we've been following Will for quite a long time. One great story with uh, with Will Bateman was that um, I was lucky enough to do a charity event with Arnold Palmer at the uh, at Blackhawk, and Arnold Palmer came in with Peter Jacobson. And one thing that I'll always remember about that uh, that event was that there was probably about. Ah, maybe six or eight junior golfers that were in in the clubhouse, and Will Bateman was one of them. Well, Arnold Palmer came into the clubhouse, and a few of these guys had their hats on in the clubhouse. Now, Arnold Palmer is one of the you know the truest gentlemen in the game, and he kind of just pointed to the top of his head, and boy, I've never seen four or five kids take their hats off so fast in my life that were sitting inside a clubhouse with their hats on. So, you know, and then Will he won on South America uh, last year. He won on the South American yep. tour, so we continued and did a phone interview with him down there. And um, now it's just like again, you got to. 
you got to slug it out. And and I mean, he's he's been around long enough, and he's been in a lot of tournaments for a younger guy. So I mean, we wish him nothing but the best, and hopefully he can uh, do some uh, damage here at the Glendale. It is seven seventeen inside sports on six thirty. Chad, this portion of the show presented by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. You can visit actionfurnace.ca. Kevin Carius will be with us until eight. Jordan Baker is going to uh, pop in. Luckily, we don't have to play basketball against him, Kevin, because there'd be another sport we'd get schooled in. Uh, he's going to Japan to play basketball, and we'll talk some Eskimos as well when we get back. Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. The New York Cosmos striking early over at Clark. Just six minutes in, they go up 1-0 on FC Edmonton. They're now in about the, uh, well, they're in the eighth, uh, ninth minute over there. We'll keep you updated on that tonight. The Blue Jays won this afternoon, or lost this afternoon, sorry. Dramatic win last night, but lost this afternoon 8-4 to San Diego. Detroit beat Boston 4-3. It is uh, the Yankees trailing Houston 4-1 in the fourth, and the Rockies lead the Orioles 3-1 in the eighth. Relevant scores there in the American League East. Baltimore 2.5 up on Toronto, 3 up on Boston. Toronto now has the first wild card, half a game up on Boston. Houston a game and a half behind, so that's why uh, I include those teams. Yeah, you're pretty well. you got to be Matt Damon from Goodwill Hunting to figure it out. Well, it's different now because when they with the two wild card teams, they put the team in the first wild card spot as a plus .5, which you would never see in the baseball standings yeah. before. The first place team would be zero even, and then everybody else was, was chasing them. Anyway, I, we talked about that last week. Yeah, we we right, both yeah. like the one-game playoff, but mm-hmm. yeah, because it's because now you can be a. Th- I mean, you could never be third in your division and make the playoffs, and now that might very well happen in the AL East. They'll could, probably yeah. get three teams. You in. never know. Yeah, you think good. you think Bo- I mean, I, I, I do you think Boston's the team that falls out if somebody no, does? No, I think Boston's made enough and will make some moves here yet. So there's still a few more days uh, before the deadline, and yeah, Boston's they've got you know they picked up Pomeranz. He'll be good for them and. I mean, they've got the hitting. There's no doubt about that. They, if they if they can just get maybe one more pitcher and something in the bullpen, yeah, they've got a good squad. All right. Uh, yeah, Houston. I mean, they've come. They were horrible. They're going to be good for a too. Long though. Time. And then now they're yeah. they've 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 come yeah. around. Uh, so that's good to see. The Eskimos uh, play tomorrow against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Kevin, obviously, uh, we're going to be following that one. Uh, we broadcast it. You guys will have highlights on global television and all the post game reaction on your uh, on your late news tomorrow. What do you call that? News Hour Final? What's it News called Hour now? Final, yeah. yes. News That's Hour Final. we used final. to call the show I worked on back in Lloyd 14 years ago. It's funny. You stole it the name. Be. No, I'm joking. And it's News at 11. There's, they've <laughs> changed a few numbers and this and that. <laughs> uh, you used to do the old half-hour show. When we did the, I did more half-hour shows probably than anyone here. Yeah. And even old, the old Boston pizza shows. I know I did more than that, uh, more than anyone, like more than Dutchie or Perry and mm-hmm. all the guys before. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, I, that half-hour show was a lot of fun. Did it uh, for many, many years. Well, before. Halsey used to go on with Halsey you. went on every Monday, and we had uh, some epic discussions. Yeah, a lot. fun. We used to do CFL picks, and that was great because we would just argue about everything, and then we'd come back, and and then whoever won at the end of the year, uh, the other guy had to take, uh, take him out for dinner. That must have been fun. Oh, we had some good ones. Would you go to Tony Romas? I believe we did, yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Halsey, I got thought of this place. Yeah, we're going to yeah. Tony Room. I remember one night you guys were arguing and uh, about the Eskimos. 
and uh, you were saying, well, the defense has given up too many yards. And he was like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> They're not getting scored on. Who cares about the yardage? You were like, Halsey, yardage leads to points. Yeah. How do you think they get down there to score? Don't worry about it, Kevin. <laughs> oh, there was one time we had a... A bottle of champagne in the studio, and the cork blew off, and it just tipped the end of his nose, and it touched his hair, and it went into the lights. <laughs> Holy cow, was that something? That's, uh, that's classic. All right, so anyway, the Eskimos are playing Winnipeg. Uh, Storyline, I mean, there's a couple injuries to the the snapping position. Yeah. Um, hopefully, that's pretty ad- adaptable. What's a what's a storyline here to here for you? I think Matt Nichols, really. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, he came on last week in relief of uh, Drew Willie through that touchdown pass to Weston Dressler. Um, you know, I've known I've known Matt for quite a few years, and you know, golfed with him a couple times here and there, and you know, he's just a, a really, really good guy. You know, I wish him nothing but the best, except for like tomorrow, right. really. Um, <laughs> Matt is so close in my mind to being a starting quarterback. I don't know if he's really totally there right now or will will he ever be that remains to be seen he's just missing something and he's got to find out what that is um if he could find out uh what that is in the next couple of games he could be a starter in this league for for a while and you know i mean winnipeg's hurting they're bleeding and uh you know this is a situation where he could help this club for sure yeah with nichols you know, I know he was here last year, and they still won with him. And oddly enough, he got pulled a couple of times when they were leading mm-hmm. games, and and uh, and Franklin got put in. With Nichols, I I think it's just, I mean, Riley never really gets rattled. And I've asked Mike about it, and I've talked to Mike's dad about it. That just Riley is so yeah, whatever. I just put it behind me. I think Matt maybe the the mistakes linger with him a bit more. Maybe, and, you know, and I, I, with all due respect to, to Matt, I mean, sometimes there's that presence of a quarterback and your teammates, you know, when they look at you in the huddle, they have to know that you're going to lead them no matter what down the field and, and for that winning score or whatever the play is going to be. I mean, the Eskimos, I think the team looks at Mike Riley and they go, we believe in that. Right. With Matt Nichols, maybe that wasn't happening. Maybe it wasn't there all the time. Maybe it was there some of the time. But Matt has to find a way for that to be there all of the time. I mean, he obviously had it in college. and He's had it growing up his whole life, or else he wouldn't still be a quarterback. So um, if he can kind of just get over that hump, you know, he could be a guy that takes it to the next level. It's an interesting matchup tomorrow. I, I think defensively both teams have... Uh, pretty good front sevens, and I think both second, well, both secondary. I don't think I know both secondaries have struggled. So if it comes down to uh, a receiver matchup, I mean, I'll certainly take the Eskimo receiving core at this point of the season. Well, there could be like a lot of yards and points coming from guys like Bowman and Walker yeah. and and whoever else, but. Both secondaries, I just can't get a grasp on them. Like, you know, Watkins sometimes looks great, sometimes he doesn't look great. Yep. I mean, Court Park's the same thing. You can, you know, having said that, if you look at two or three of those catches that Hamilton made, the receivers, whoever they were, you know, there was two or three of them that made great catches. Those were great catches that they made on defensive backs. So half the time those catches aren't even made. Doesn't ha- if, if those catches aren't made, Hamilton doesn't come back and win. Yeah, well, I mean, the Owens two-point convert, though I know, I mean, they would have yeah. had enough anyway, but I mean, I think that was Ladler covering yeah. him. He pretty much covered him it was all properly him, because I mean, he wasn't and interfering. Yeah. Especially a guy dropping back into coverage, you know, because like, yeah. he had to drop back in coverage. He's right all over him, and even the touchdown before that, too. So, 
you know, with fan twos. Yeah, that was a, a, a stunning, uh, well, I mean, the biggest blown lead in exactly. Eskimos history. I mean, the, there's only been five larger leads blown in the CFL, 27 points twice, 26 points three times, mm -hmm. and now 25 a couple of times. So in terms of the, that's the whole history of the league, not in the last few years. Exactly. That's going back till it was still basically rugby. Uh, all right, it is uh, 7.28. It's Inside Sports on 6.30. Chad, Kevin and I are going to keep rolling. We're going to bring a special guest in, one of the greats all time at the U of A. I called play-by-play -play for a lot of this guy's basketball games. Uh, Jordan Baker is going to drop into studio when we get back. This is Oscar Kleffbaum from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to the Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Shad. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight at 7.33, Inside Sports on 6.30 Chad. Tomorrow in this time slot, Eskimos football. Coverage will start at 5.30 with the pregame show kickoff at 7. Eskimos up against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. My name is Reed Wilkins in studio with Kevin Carius from Global Television. Kevin, great to have you drop by again. Thanks for having me in again, Reed. And a very special guest, a guy who uh, I saw play dozens of times during his excellent basketball career at the U of A, and he just keeps plowing away. Jordan Baker is in studio. Jordan, great to see you again. Thanks for coming in. It's always a pleasure, Reed. Yeah, so uh, you finished, uh, you, how long you finished, been gone from the U of A now? A couple of years? Yeah, 2013-14 was my senior season with the Bears, so I've been a couple of years removed. And just a bit of background, and we'll get more into your history as well, because it is an, uh, an interesting one, but you uh, are the leading, what, scorer and rebounder in Golden Bears history? Yes, that's correct. I got assists and steals, too, if you're wondering. I was wondering that, so thank you. For maybe minutes played, yeah, too, because you I were a starter right yeah. from your rookie season. Uh, and I want to say a national silver and bronze medal correct. during your time there. Mm -hmm. So I know you didn't quite get where you wanted, but, but good teams uh, nonetheless. Now, let's go back a little bit uh, first. The transition from a CIS athlete to a professional basketball player it's not unique for a guy to go to Europe but how, how do you get I don't want to say discovered because I'm teams are, are scouting this the CIS but when did you know okay I got this option this option where am I going to go here uh, when we were at nationals uh, my third year there were a couple of agents who were taking a look at some guys they may want to sign for the future and a couple of them approached me at nationals uh, about my plans about after uh, my university career and then you know, once my fifth year was done, I was able to get in touch with them and then sign a contract with, with an agency and, you know, got things rolling from there. I want to go back even a bit more, uh, <laughs> if, you, if you don't mind. Uh, so when I first got here in, in 98, I used to inter interview your mom all the time, Trix, when she was coaching the, the Pandas. Uh, would you consider yourself like a, a gym rat back then, going to all the practices and games? and? Yeah, I mean, I was in the gym every single weekday with practice um, when I was younger, and then uh, as I got doing my own thing with basketball, and you know, I played a few other sports, but I was in the gym every every home weekend watching the pandas and the bears, and you know, it was back when they played in the old main gym, so yeah. a lot of history there. And when I came to the bears, we still were on North Campus, so uh, certainly a lot of good memories in that gym, that's for sure. How, how much did that help you, just being around? 
you know, really good players, good practices, good systems, good structure. You know, always, always learning. Uh, even when we went home, discussion over the dinner table was often centered around basketball as a team. So uh, there wasn't a, a spare minute when I was left alone with the game. So, uh, you know, it certainly helps. You absorb a lot of knowledge. And, you know, I, I love the game, so that also played a big part in it. Now, Trix Baker coached the Pandas, uh, played for the Pandas. Your father, Doug, uh, was, a, was a golden bear. I think he – did he have the rebounding record that you broke? I think no, he had he one didn't of have them. a rebound. He shot the ball. He just shot. Okay. He, he had, would, he had, he had he shot attempts. He had, shot, he had attempts. shot attempts but yeah. not made shots perhaps. He's probably listening and he's mad at me. Was there a parent – they're both athletic. Was there a parent that was more of a, a, a guide uh, athletically or was it pretty even? Well, my mom was was busy a lot of evenings with the pandas, um, so my dad did take a sort of a center stage in terms of coaching me at the youth level. Mm -hmm. um, when I got a little bit older and my mom stopped coaching the pandas, they both kind of sat on the bench with uh, you know U15 and U17 club teams. Um, but obviously, like I said, very vocal at the dinner table about you know how I did in the game or you know how practices were going. So there's a lot of information coming in and. You know, hopefully, I helped translate that to to a good game. Did that ever Did that ever get to you? Did it, Did it ever feel like more pressure than fun? Not really. You know, I think they understand that. You know, it's just a game. So if you push someone too hard, you're never going to get what you need out of them. So, you know, I played other sports too, which helped kind of take the load off of basketball as well. What other sports did you play? Um, played volleyball in high school. Um, played some club volleyball as well. We won a provincial championship at Harry Ainley at the volleyball. Uh, provincials in my grade 12 season and then just soccer and a few other things uh, you know in the downtime. Who were uh, some of the other coaches that kind of helped you along the way get to and help you to get where you are now? Um, big one was George Hoyt my yeah. high school coach at Harry Ainley. A um, lot of stuff on the court but also you know how to be a man um, you know I came up and was a very very thin grade 9 kid coming into grade 10 so I had to play against the big boys my first year and you know he kind of taught me that it's a little bit more than just being a good basketball player it's about being a good person and you know that hard work those lessons he taught me I've you know leveraged to into a great career I mean that's probably an important thing that you had to learn was I mean the, the teams you played on you were often the best or one of the best players so did you realize at a young age okay, whether I like it or not, people are going to look to me to how I'm working in practice, how I'm reacting to the coach's instructions, how I'm reacting to a bad call by an official in a game, all that kind of stuff. You know, I think my parents did a good job of making sure I was always playing in older age groups. So, you know, I still was the, the coach's kid, but at the same time I didn't realize that, you know, I was transforming into some sort of leader or taking on that leadership role. So, you know, it's it's... It's great to, to take on that stuff without really thinking about it because um, when I got to the Bears, you know, it kind of came naturally and, you know, I, working hard was second nature and there was no, no excuses and you just got the job done. Um, I just actually ran into George Hoyt. He was uh, working out to, um, Steve Sir before he headed down to uh, the uh, Summer League in the uh, NBA in Las Vegas. How is that something that kind of would ever present itself an opportunity to like a summer league kind of thing? And is there something down the road? Like, I mean, Steve, sir, 33 years old, right? Uh, mm -hmm. To do it for him. So obviously you're a lot younger than Steve is. Um, with Steve's situation, it was, you know, he got into a good spot where he had some connections from playing so many years overseas. And, 
you know, to get that look is, is great for basketball in Edmonton. And I think, yeah. you know, it was a lot of people here were following his journey. Um, for me, you know, it's whatever my agent can find me. You know, try to slip my name into some conversations. And I do have some connections with Basketball Canada. But, you know, I'm, I'm always up for the challenge if it presents itself. Well, what is your status with uh, Basketball Canada? Because if people don't know, you've been in national team camps. Mm-hmm. And speaking of work ethic, I know I heard very good things about how hard you worked in those camps and that made you stand out a little bit. Clearly they're not going to the to the Olympics. Are you do you consider yourself still a candidate to be on Team Canada for international events down the road? I'm still in the in the pool of, of national team athletes. You know, unfortunately or fortunately, however you want to look at it, Canada's now got a full twelve um, and with this year's draft I think it's thirteen or fourteen Canadians in the NBA mm-hmm. so you know, for a guy who's playing overseas, it's a little bit of a tough roster to crack these days. So, um, you know, I'm just glad basketball is, is growing in Canada. All right. Uh, sorry, Kevin, go, yeah, no, go, go ahead, ahead and then we'll take a break. break. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, like, where do you see this day? Do you see it really just getting closer to that peak where everyone hopes that Canada basketball can and should be? Um, when Steve Nash signed um, as the general manager a few years ago, he said, you know, 2016 would be nice to be in Rio. Mm-hmm. Um, but 2020 is our real goal, and I think, you know, you've got some guys who were born in, in 1990 and 1991 who are going to be, you know, that 28, 29 years old in 2020 that are really going to be able to, to play on that international stage and I think are going to make a big splash in the in the first Olympics since 2000. Uh, well, yeah, let me follow up on that. What are you, 24 now? 24. 24. So do you feel, it's it's hard to know, but I mean, you must feel like you're not at your peak yet physically. Um, yeah, it's hard to tell. I mean, you're, I'm hoping that I, I keep getting better, but, you know, I, I had certainly some young legs in college that I don't have now, so i got to use the, the thing between my ears a little bit more than I probably <laughs> had, used to. Uh, Jordan Baker is in studio, former U of A Golden Bear basketball player. We'll find out what it was like to be a pro basketball player in Germany and Portugal when we get back, and we'll look ahead. He's going to uh, Japan pretty soon to play there. Inside Sports on 630 Shed. <laughs> You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Well, really appreciate you tuning in tonight. Great to have Jordan Baker in studio. I saw this guy play a lot of basketball when I was doing play-by-play for the U of A Golden Bears and uh, Pandas. As, as Jordan reminded us, he's not only the leading scorer and <laughs> rebounder, assists and steals as well, uh, probably minutes played. Thank Probably you. post-game interviews on the webcast as well. <laughs> uh, Kevin Carius from Global Television in studio as well. My name is Reed Wilkins. Uh, all right, so uh, Kevin, one of our favorite guys. You knew you knew him a little better, but uh, Don, Don Horwood, who just missed coaching Jordan. Yeah, Don Horwood, uh, one of my all-time favorite interviews for sure. So, again, when you were basically a gym rat, your mom would have been basically coaching, and then before or after same time in that small little gym or figure out how to do it Don Orwood would have been coaching the Bears so what was it like being around growing up and then again you might have thought he might be sticking around for your career here or maybe a year or two but he didn't really coach you at the university level so uh, so what was it kind of like just growing up with him and then kind of getting here when he left well, I mean, the, the biggest thing that I remember about Don is that purple suit jacket he always used to wear. Um, and then he would walk up and down the sidelines just berating the referees. So to see that as a junior high and high school kid, I'm thinking this guy's got a lot of passion for the game. And, you know, that's the kind of stuff I want to see at the next level and, and potentially be played for. But, you know, unfortunately he stepped down 
Um, his last season was my grade 12 year, so I was able to come in with Greg Francis as my first head coach at U of A. So what was it? So who recruited you then? Don handed the ropes to Clayton Pottinger, okay. who was his assistant. Um, that's last his last season right. there, um, and Clay was in constant communication, um, and he ended up actually being the assistant coach my rookie season at U of A. So he was the one who kind of kept contact, kept tabs on what I was thinking during the recruiting process. The old clay pot. Yes. yes. That's yeah. the one. Good player himself. Yeah. He won, uh, was he on both national championships, 94 and 95? He was on at least one He's of them. He's got at least one, I think, yeah. Yeah, because I, I was a student for those. So I yeah. used to go to a lot of uh, Bears basketball games too. But, uh, yeah, Greg DeVries, uh, uh, Badger, what was his first name? Murray Eric, Badger? Eric Badger. Uh I don't know. Good Couldn't little, good little guard. Uh, who's the guy? Greg that's Badger. Was Greg it? Badger. Yeah. Is. yeah. Anyway, Karius is just like, what are you doing? I mean, he was in Saskatchewan yeah. at the time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell us a little bit. We want to get into the European stuff here a bit, Jordan. But basketball in Germany. Tell us, just tell us a little bit about about the league. Other Canadians there. What's the whole vibe? Um, the league I was in was somewhat of a starter or finisher league. So you either start or finish your career okay. there. Um, so there's a lot of young guys um, who are looking to move up to, to the German First League, and then a lot of guys who are kind of on the tail end, um, working maybe part-time jobs and playing basketball in the evenings. Um, so it wasn't the, the best level, but you know, whenever you get to that professional level, there's going to be guys who have done it for a lot of years and are a little bit more serious about the game than, than at the CIS level. So it was a good challenge, and you know, I got my feet wet a little bit with the professional game. So in Japan, what do you know about the team you're going to, the city you're going to, what's the quality of play? Um, the Japanese league has just restructured, so this next year will be first year of kind of the new system they've got going on. Uh, last year the team finished fifth in the second league um, in Japan, so middle of the pack. Not really sure what to expect in terms of other imports or you know, the quality or style of play, but um, it's a new opportunity, so it's going to be a little bit different than Europe. Um, so I'm excited to, to head over. What did you notice? Uh, I mean, the, the this is the thing. If, if people only watch the NBA and the NCAA, they use different rules. Actually, the NCAA is more off track now than even the NBA because the international has gone to the 24-second clock, but the three-point line is different and all that stuff. Was there a huge transition from CIS to Europe? Well, luckily, we play FIBA rules right. in the CIS, mm -hmm. so there wasn't too many... Um, rules to have to adjust to. Their style of play is a lot different. Um, they do a lot of, and use they use their intentional fouls very well. So they, you know, if you're going to get a, a fast break opportunity, they're taking their fouls in the backcourt, making sure you're not getting anything easy. So um, they certainly think the game a little bit different in Europe than uh, they do in the CIS. So is there like import uh, a number, a certain amount, and is there other Canadians you know? Like, well, do you know anyone else going over? Or? Um, no one in Japan that I know of. Um, and they're limited to three imports. Same thing in Portugal last season. They were limited to three imports. Um, but I did play with Jared Ogabemi Jackson, who was a Calgary Dino right. for the great my, name for my five years. Yeah, so we lived together and played together last season in Portugal, which was nice to have a familiar face there and you know a strong point guard to have in our backcourt as well. Okay, here's a question. You were in Germany and Portugal. Mm -hmm. I'm going to make the wild assumption that soccer was the number one sport. 
Yes. Then where does it go down? Because I mean, in a lot of European countries, sometimes F1 racing is 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 big, and uh, I know even handball is big in in some nations. So what was the the tree of popularity? Um, football was or soccer, I guess. Sorry, was, yes. Yeah. Was one through five. <laughs> um, <laughs> Every and then, spot. Uh, in Portugal, they actually played roller hockey was big in Portugal, which is surprising. Mm. Um, wow. But yeah, they basketball is not very high on the totem pole in in, in the the couple of European countries I was in. Germany, it's really growing. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, you know, with them winning the uh, the last World Cup, that's you know, soccer is the, the big one there, too. But basketball is pretty big in Spain, though, so it hasn't just kind of translated over to Portugal? Or? Uh, not as much. Um, Portugal doesn't exactly have a ton of money to support yeah. um, soccer and basketball, so they've kind of pooled all their stuff into a couple of big uh, soccer clubs. But Japan, I've heard, is a lot more excited about basketball. Um, so um, hopefully they can mm. fill a few stadiums out there. What do you find about lifestyle differences, if any? Maybe, maybe maybe I'm making too much of this, but lifestyle differences. Canadian living in living in Europe, and you know, was, did you did you feel like oh I'm in a different place or there's some different attitudes, anything like that? Um, Germany was very similar to Canada. I found. Yeah. Um, Portugal, a little more laid back, more of a vacation type resort feel to it in terms of you know you needed to get something done or you needed to get a paycheck and it was oh yeah we'll get it to you next week <laughs> and then next week rolls around and you, d- and you know you got to end up calling or texting someone about it again so um, Germany was a lot better for that kind of thing in terms of getting things done on time with a good schedule so it was a little bit of an adjustment and then obviously you've got the language difference right did um, you did you take Japanese 101 at the U of A <laughs> I didn't <laughs> I regret not taking yes. it in uh, high school now as well. We had a couple of Japanese courses. Really? There, so, oh. yeah. Have you ever been to Japan, Asia, anywhere? Um, not Japan. Not that way, I no. I was in Korea last summer and China a few years ago. So I, uh, I've been to Asia, uh, but not Japan. I heard it's a little bit different than the Chinese feel. So I'm hoping uh, things will be at least a little similar to Canada, aside from having to sit to, on the floor to eat. <laughs> Jordan Baker uh, joining us tonight. We've got a few more minutes with you here, Jordan. Tell me tell me where your your game is at. I, I mean, and, and here's the thing. If you never... A lot of times I find when I would tell people, you know, I, I, you know, I'd go to the U of A games, and I still try to watch and follow as much as I can. When you say somebody's a high scorer or their leading scorer, they, they, a lot of people automatically go to, oh, a three-point specialist. i got to say this. If you never saw Jordan play, master rebounder, incredible anticipation and work ethic to get to rebounds, that you scored a lot from eight feet in, I, I would say. Uh, is that still where your game uh, is is at? You know, that anticipation, that fearlessness, that ability to take it to the hoop? I would say probably. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you can get six to eight points every game off doing things no one else wants to do in terms of running the floor and getting the loose ball and getting a tip in, you know, that makes your whole job a whole lot easier. You only have to create, you know, another 10 over the course of 40 minutes. So, you know, that's a couple of drives to the lane, a, maybe a three-pointer getting to the foul line a couple of times. So you just got to make some easy ones, and then that gets your game going a little bit. So Why, why do you think he leads all those categories, Reed? Well, I know. <laughs> I, I know, but that that's uh, that's why I want him to do And that's yeah. that great attitude where he said, you have to do things no one else is is willing to do, and you said it's maybe six to eight points a game, right? So you get your 
12 the quote-unquote normal way that other guys get them, but then you, you but, separate, right? Yeah, but I think you agree too, like, you know, an all-around player, you, that's how you would describe yourself? Yeah, I don't really do anything all that well. No, you do everything <laughs> well, let's be honest. <laughs> well, that's true. But do you think being that all-around player and not concentrating or focusing on one area in particular has ever hurt you, maybe in advancement? Um, you know, teams in Europe do look for guys that can really shoot the basketball from three, um, especially at, you know, the three, four spot, which is where I'm kind of marketing myself. Uh -huh. So they do look for a guy who can shoot high 30s, low 40s in terms of percentage from downtown. So, mm -hmm. you know, me not necessarily shooting the ball at that high of a clip might have hurt my stock in a few uh, mm -hmm. job opportunities. But, you know, that's the way it goes. Well, when do you leave? Next Friday, so it's pretty soon. It's going to be a long preseason. When, and when, when does the season start? Um, last year was early October, so um, I'm hoping things start up a little bit sooner so the preseason is <laughs> you, you don't a want a two-month two training camp, eh? Yeah. And the games that don't count in the standings. Yeah, but we'll see. <laughs> All right. Uh, Jordan, uh, thanks for coming in. It, it, it's great to catch up with you. You are a great Edmonton story, as as Kevin and I know from, from covering you and your team's uh, over the years, so uh, you know, thanks for you know giving us the dirt on your parents too. Yeah, <laughs> great ambassador for Edmonton. For I certainly sure. hope they're not listening right now. <laughs> <laughs> do you ever play uh, either of them anymore? No, no. no that, all they do is golf. Retired, all eh? they do is golf now, and where they can beat me, so <laughs> we don't uh, go head to head too often anymore. Yeah, well, you could probably beat Kevin and I at golf. We were lamenting Wouldn't our golf much. games off the uh, off the top. Uh, I don't know. Thanks for dropping by, Jordan. My pleasure. Oh, how do people follow you on Twitter, by the way? Um, MR, so Mr., and then just Jordan Baker. Great handle. Pretty easy. That's Jordan Baker. He's going to uh, Japan to play pro basketball. Kevin Curious, okay, thanks again for coming yeah, in. Yeah, and he, uh, next Wednesday I'm off. I was just going to say, yeah. next uh, Wednesday, and I'm away too. Yeah. So it's going to be the backup show. <laughs> We're going to have to have exactly. Dave Campbell and Kevin Jesus in, yeah. speaking of Portuguese people. <laughs> Not Dave, Kevin Jesus. He's still celebrating the Portuguese oh, victory. Oh, nonstop. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, that, that will be his lone highlight of his life. <laughs> Sports-wise. Oh, I hope he's listening. I, I hope he's listening. Kevin, thanks so much yeah, for coming in. My pleasure. Kevin Carius from Global Television. Here's what we are going to do. We are going to bring you news, traffic, and weather. Traffic and weather especially important today. Kind of a uh, weird one out there. Uh, a little more from Todd McClellan. We'll go back to the text line. The phone lines will be open, 780-496-0063. Uh, we will have an interesting storytelling segment. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, with an old boss of mine. I think we'll be all over the map in this one. That's between 8.30 and 9. We'll uh, keep you updated on the baseball scores, on how FC Edmonton is doing as well. I'll just uh, tell you right now, FC trailing the New York Cosmos 1-0 halftime over at Clark Stadium. Inside Sports on Chet. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.